So it's the Beatitudes for April. And you may, if you are astute, you might remember a few weeks ago, we did the Beatitudes in Luke. And April was thinking, well, maybe that's a good reason to not do this today. But I was like, no, good luck. Um, and so if you remember those at all, similar, fewer, fewer Beatitudes in Luke. And as well, we had the woes as well. So blessed are you, but woe to you. And Jesus here in Matthew only has the Beatitudes. Um, just one other piece of of introduction about that and the reason I was talking a little bit about being a teacher is um, when you look at the different Gospels and how they all start this is the beginning of Jesus ministry in the Gospel of Matthew different from the other Gospels uh, there's a healing in I th in Mark in uh, Luke he's in the in the synagogue preaching the sermon about who he is uh, in John, it's turning the water into wine, but this is the one for Jesus. And the scholars say, well, what he's teaching us is that he is indeed a teacher and teaching us about what it means to, to follow um, and giving us our identity as people who follow Jesus are people who are blessed. And uh, that word blessed again, and I, I had talked about it a couple of weeks ago, that it's, I think I did maybe, I was going, but anyway. Um, <laughs> That blessed isn't what we often think of about as happy or everything's great. On the contrary, especially as you read these. But it is to be honored or to have an identity and really our identity as children of God. So the blessing we receive by being called to be God's children as well as that, that strength that that gives us. That honor that gives us to be able to uh, persevere even in the midst of hardship which is what Jesus certainly talks about in the Beatitudes as well. So, question I always start with, of course, is why the Beatitudes? Why is this one of your favorite stories? Okay. Um, th thank you, Pastor Trish. Again, I'm really happy to be here and to be able to have this opportunity to talk about mm -hmm. this favorite story. Um, I, would, I would say that um, when I think about the Beatitudes, I think about it being a a story or a passage in the Bible that is both simple and complex, mm -hmm. actually. Um, it's, it's simple uh, in that it's, it kind of reminds me of something out of Proverbs. It's almost like a, a poetic feel to it. And um, the, 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 it's rep repetitious with the blessed at the very beginning of it. Um, and it's just, I think the language in it is quite, is quite beautiful. Um, and yet, and yet, in reading through these verses, it's very, it's complex in that it has, it, it evokes thinking from us. Mm -hmm. And I love anything that evokes thinking. And, and so in reading through this, it, it has me thinking about, you know, what did Jesus mean specifically by this blessing? And, and what was his, what, what were his motives, so to speak, in, in delivering this particular passage to his disciples at that point in time, um, what compelled him to, to speak to us about this. Uh, so, so there's the complexity and, and there is the, the simplicity of it that I'm, that I'm drawn to. So uh, 
your teacher, right? And I think those who teach retired. Your, I'm retired teacher. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. What I was gonna say, but you're sure. also a lifelong learner. Yes. Right. Yes. And I think that those, especially those of you who teach or taught, mm -hmm. you, you never really give that up. True. Right. Very true. So, like yes. for example, April is our go-to person for first communion mm -hmm. every year. So you teach. You still teach. Yes. And but you also learn, right? Yes. And so one of the things that I think when we talked, you talked about how over time, perhaps the Beatitudes have changed for you in terms of how you understand them or what you right. learn from them. Right, a absolutely. Um, they have, it, they have, when I, when I was younger, I thought that it was kind of a, um, these things that are in it are, are nice and kind of, if you, if we follow all, all of these, then these wonderful things will happen to us when we get to heaven. Uh, kind of an if then yeah, yeah. type of approach. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm, I, my thoughts are different now on that. Also, some of the terms like righteousness. Um, when I was younger, I used to think of the term righteousness as almost, um, almost uh, a, pi a piety connected to that, almost like a holier than thou. Um, but I, but now when I hear the term righteousness. I think in terms of social justice, mm -hmm. that, that if we could, you know, substitute that word righteousness, those who hunger and thirst for social justice, I think really was the message that Jesus was delivering. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There's two things I want to say in response to that. First is your first understanding that yes. you had when you were younger. Yes. It's not that that was a wrong mm -hmm. understanding. That, that's a correct interpretation, right? To think about this as a future reward. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the big theological word, eschatological, right, Janet? Oh, we learn these long words. But that future reward, and Jesus talks about that. So that's an, that is certainly one way that we can continue to understand it. But it, then you, you dived deeper mm -hmm. into it and found those, those kind of extra layers, I think, um, in terms of righteousness meaning something as well. So it's a both and, right? It's not yes. like once I understood it this way and now it's this way. It's really, it's adding to your understanding, which yes. in some ways I guess is no different than a first grader learning science versus a 10th grader. Right. You don't give up what you learned, you add. That's true. That's you true. add to that. I, I, would, I would say along with that, kind of another when you, Going back to your original question of, of why is my favorite, mm -hmm. I, I think in, in reading through this, I, I have, have come to believe that this, that this passage really in so many ways answers that question that we all have of why, why are we here? Mm -hmm. Why am I here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, how many times have we asked ourselves that question? And, and I believe that, that in this passage, Jesus is putting it right out there for us and, and, and explaining to us that, that this is what life is all about, that supporting one another, um, you know, caring for one another, being merciful, being comforting, um, pursuing social justice, this ultimately is what will bring about God's kingdom here on earth and it will make life ultimately easier for, for all of us, mm -hmm. imagine living in a world mm -hmm. where these tenets of, of kindness and mercy and comfort were, were all around us. How, how 
impactful that would be for us. And I believe this was Jesus' message Mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just reviewing um, a couple of things this morning as I was as as I was thinking about our conversation. And one is that this was written for a small community of people who had to live in a dominant culture with which they often disagreed. Mm. You know, so they were, uh, it was the Roman Empire and they they were oppressed peoples. And so that this was written for people struggling to survive and to make meaning out of life, right? Um, When it often felt like there were, was very little meaning in in life. Um, and the other thing that I had read was there are so many different ways that people can and have interpreted the Beatitudes and what they all mean. And so I really appreciate your sense that it calls us to a mission and to a purpose in life. And we had talked a little bit about how it is a, it's often a call to action. And and if you if you um, if you, if you guys want to pull out your Bible or look, or when you go back home, there's eight Beatitudes in Matthew. And what we had talked about or had discovered is like the first four kind of are like descriptors of not what you ascribe to, but ways you often find yourselves, right? Like find yourself in despair, find yourself mourning um, or in grief, find yourself powerless. Um, and then the second four are exactly what you're talking about in terms of responding to that. And so uh, one, another way I read it was the first four are describing people who have no justice in their lives. And the second four are describing people trying to give justice or restore justice and to do those kinds of things. But So let me spend a moment on those first four. And that's where you told that story about your mm-hmm. your mom. And so when we find ourselves in difficult times and what that might mean. Right. Um, I'll, I'll just share the story um, with all of you. Um, about uh, two years ago, almost two years ago now, my mom passed away. And um, she was, she, she lived in Pittsburgh and we flew back for the funeral. And um, we were there for about a week and it was, it was on our last. It was our last night there in Pittsburgh, and uh, my my daughter Chelsea and I went out to a restaurant for for dinner, and uh, we had there was there was no one in the restaurant that knew us. Uh, our server did not know us. We didn't know anyone there, and we we had dinner. And at the end of the dinner, um, the server came over and said, "Will there be anything else?" And I said. Um, no, thank you, just the check, please. And she said, that's been taken care of. And I said, what? And she said, the Lord has taken care of this for you tonight. And Chelsea and I just looked at each other. And, and we, we were both stunned. And we were both thinking the same thing. Um, that it, indeed, the Lord has not only taken care of the check, but, but the Lord is telling us that, that he is taking care of everything. He is taking care of my mom. He's taking care of our family. Everything's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a very impactful moment for, for us. And, um, and, it, and it, I, I think it, it brings to mind um, how 
when we are in our deepest moments of vulnerability, mm. and, and we were, certainly, we were, we were grieving, um, and we were, you know, kind of um, um, poor in spirit, if you will. Um, in those moments, greatest moments of vulnerability is when God's hand is most visible to us. Mm -hmm. If, if we allow ourselves mm -hmm. to, to see that. Because mm -hmm. um, we certainly saw it that night in that moment. We saw a very, a very small glimpse of his kingdom mm -hmm. and, and his, his mercy, his mm -hmm. compassion, mm -hmm. his love mm -hmm. for us. Um, and and that, you know, that really impacted us and really stayed mm -hmm. with us. So in thinking about, you know, in thinking about going through life and all the moments of vulnerability, moments of loss and, and disappointment and, um, you know, and, and confusion that we go through in life. And, and, and we, you know, we, if, if we get to that point where we, we know that we can't we can't do this on our own. Um, then we we look to others, and others can extend that mercy, that comfort um, to us, and and we see God's hand. Mm -hmm. We had talked about how it's when we're most vulnerable yeah. that we can most clearly see God. It's almost like God is hidden when everything is going well. And as I look around at uh, people here. I know that that is true for you as as well. Um, and one of the things we pondered, no answer, maybe you guys have an answer, was do you suppose God purposely gives us moments of vulnerability? Or are those difficult times simply life? Um, and I don't know that it matters. Um, on the other hand, I'm convinced that if I think about my life, there have been times when it seems like there's been a purpose to that because of what I've learned and, and how it helped me to grow in my faith. Um, and many people, I think, will talk about desert times or barren times as well, that when it seemed like God was far away, we eventually discovered, no, God was more, more present or closer than ever. Absolutely. I, you know, and, and in, as I was thinking about this today uh, a little more deeply, you know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about Messiah, and mm -hmm. and thinking about my experiences here. Um, our, my husband and I have been here for thirty years, uh, members of Messiah for thirty years, and and over those those years, um, we have had many opportunities through Messiah to participate in in things where where there is an outreach to others, a ministry to others, um, everything from. Pine Ridge mission trips that were intergenerational, um, to helping to uh, to to settle refugees years ago in the 90s, um, and and even most recently um, last week mm -hmm. with the Connections mm -hmm. um, shelter mm -hmm. for the homeless. There's so many from Messiah um, participated in that, mm -hmm. um, but. And and then, and one other piece that I that I thought about, which was tremendously impactful for me uh, was was something that happened again in the 90s. Um, we we Messiah started some uh, small groups, and they were called growth groups. And through those small groups, people were able to um, 
yes, people were able to bond and have a, a community, a very tight community, but they were able to essentially bear one another's burdens. And I know that I was a member of a growth group at that time, and, and we, were, we went on for a couple years at least, meeting every other Monday. There were six of us in this group uh, to start out, and we would, and, uh, we would support one another through so many different personal things. And maybe, maybe this week it was, it was me who, who happened to be struggling. Maybe two weeks from now it was someone else. Mm -hmm. um, but but we, we came to understand that it is a part of life. These things will, will come. Mm -hmm. um, and, and with the support of one another, we can indeed get through it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we are stronger as a result of that, you know, bearing one another's burdens is, is, is really so fundamental, I think, mm -hmm. um, to, to getting through life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, so that song, the Barbara Streisand song, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. When I was younger, I, I could not understand why, because it seemed to go opposite of everything that, that society is telling us, mm -hmm. you know, st stand tall, mm -hmm. you know, you can do this on your own, be independent. But, but I know that when I can connect with others, maybe in a time of vulnerability, mm -hmm. um, that is, and, and when they connect with me, um, I, I feel uplifted. Uh, I, I, I believe that I can uplift them. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a glorious moment, it's, mm -hmm. it's wonderful. I think we had also talked about where you learn that or why, why is it that that has become an important part of your life in terms of looking out for others and uh, bearing others' burdens. Right. And it, 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 you're right, Pastor Trish. And I think, you know, you, know, you go back to kind of your early childhood and, and growing up, and I think a lot of times these seeds are planted there, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I know my... I heard stories about my grandmother uh, who would dress up as Santa on Christmas Eve and go and, and visit homes of people who were in great need and would deliver things to, to them. And uh, she would do it anonymously. No one ever knew who this person was. Um, and then, and then my, my mother, my, um, we lived in a small town and we, um, we lived right next door to the church. And about a block away was a railroad, railroad tracks. And oftentimes, we, people would come through, homeless people on the, on the railroad, and they would get off in our town, and they would make their way, way down to where the church was, and they would stop at our home, thinking that that was the parsonage, where the pastor of the church lived. It wasn't, but, but um, they would knock on our door and ask for help. And my mother would always, always give them a meal. And if it wasn't meal time, she had food ready, she would send them, call the local restaurant and send them down there and say, you know, bill me for that. And, and I saw these things happening, you know, with, mm -hmm. my, with my own family. Mm -hmm. And I think that I saw the impact of it. The generosity, the compassion, the comfort, um, the mercy, if you will, that was extended, and I and I think as a result, I you know I think as as a parent, you know, both Carl and I, 
um, have tried to instill that in our two daughters mm -hmm. as well. And I, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm speaking for Carl, but I feel, feel um, mm -hmm. I think, positively about the things that we have done with, with mm -hmm. both Anne and Chelsea. They are they're mm -hmm. wonderful creatures. They are wonderful, wonderful children. We're, we're very proud of them and very proud of the, the compassion that they show, mm -hmm. uh, the ministry that they, that they engage in with others in so many different forms. Um, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. We are coming to the end. So I just have one more quick, maybe quick. Do you have a favorite beatitude among those that you read? You know, I, I think it is the one about um, righteousness. Um, social justice, if you will, and, yep. and that's the the way that I think you know for us to be able to uh, have have one another's backs, to be able to advocate for things that we know to be the right thing, yeah. the, the just thing. Yeah. Uh, I I think it has a profound effect yeah. on on this world. It, I, when you talk about it, I hear it. It's your mission mm -hmm. statement. Mm -hmm. It's your personal mission statement. I think so. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I invite you to, to show your thanks as well. Yep.